and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. We need to meditate on that because it's the Father who dwells in us by the Holy Spirit who's, who does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do. So tonight, we're going to talk about some things that will help us do the greater works and he says, because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. River of life, we know him. <laughs> but he dwells within you and will be with you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's a good verse, isn't it? So this lesson um, actually came from a study that I'm doing on the Holy Spirit um, that was written by Wendell Parr. And he has an awesome testimony about how he came to know the Holy Spirit. And this, the whole lesson, it's, I think it's eight, eight lessons he wrote, and they're, they're all based on his personal experience in getting to know the Holy Spirit. And he says um, that in the book of John, chapter four, chapters 14 through 17, it gives us some of the most intimate and important teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples and for us, the body of Christ. Jesus was preparing them for his departure and for them to remain behind for ministry, for the ministry he had started. And it's there for us as well. Some of Jesus's last words when he was here on earth were spoken in these chapters much like a parent giving instructions to a child. Think about that. You know, think about your own childhood, and maybe your parents were going to leave you for a short time. Maybe they left you with a babysitter or, you know, um, I can't think of many times my parents left me. They usually took me with them wherever they went, or one of them was with me. But I think about my own child. I remember going away, and I would give instruction, you know, Obey your grandmother. You do this, do that. Jesus was giving them instructions, okay? And the first thing he says is he, that he, there are three things we're going to look at tonight um, that, um, well, I want to ask a question first. I don't know if I put this in your outline or not. Let me look at, let me look at it right here. Yeah. What thoughts come to mind when you read the scripture? Do you think the church as a whole is doing the works of Jesus or the greater works? Okay, I heard a no. 
So tonight we're going to look at three things that will help us begin to do the works of Jesus and the greater works. And the first one here comes out of John uh, 14, 12, and it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. So he first starts talking about his, um, the, the work of regeneration, things that he accomplished for us. And he says, because, I, because he has gone to the Father. He says, believe me, and, if, and he said to um, those in, in earshot at that time, he says, if you don't believe who I am, believe me for the work's sake, right? So you, you, we may be out ministering Jesus, and people not moved, but when they see the signs, the wonders, and the miracles, when they see the compassion, when they see the love, they're going to be moved, you know, how many of us have had experiences where people will say something like, there's something different about you? You know, they can't understand, you know, why you're kind, why you're nice, why you don't just um, tell somebody off when they are, you know, not being kind to you. I hope that's us anyway. <laughs> um, um, so what are our works? And Jesus starts talking about things that he did. And in your outline uh, there, it says, number one, first of all, Jesus became a man. Like every other man, he was born of a woman. His conception was different, but he came in human flesh just like us. But we can truly call him our high priest. The second thing is that he lived a sinless life. So your first fill-in is man. Second fill-in in the B is sinless life. He became a lamb without blemish. Flesh and blood just like us. And it says in C, he took upon himself our sin, sickness, sicknesses, the curse, the taste of death for us spiritually, and went into hell for us and suffered for us. And then D, it says he threw back demons of hell. And what um, Wendell Parr references here, he says that until Jesus came, Satan had claimed to man because he had, he had a sin nature. I never really thought about that before. But until Jesus came, Man, man still had a sin nature. Well, what does that mean now for us? It's saying we don't have a sin nature anymore. And, but Jesus, when he came, it says he went, he, he threw back uh, de the demons of hell. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. And he, um, we see an example of this um, that Satan still had claim over these people in Luke chapter 16. That's not on your paper, so you can add it. Luke 16, 22 and 25, when it talks about Lazarus and the rich man, they, they said they went to Abraham's bosom, and that was considered a place of departed souls. But we know from that ac account that they were not in the same place. You know, positionally, they were maybe in this um, place called um, a, a, a place for departed souls, but the compartments were different, right? So 
I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. When Jesus came on the scene and at his resurrection, um, he went, when he, when he was still in the, in the tomb, he went to hell. And he got those souls back, the ones that were his. And the scriptures tell us that they walked on the earth with him until he resurrected. That's pretty awesome. He got back his people. Sin lost its hold on them. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that good? It's a number, uh, e, number E. E says he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys from Satan. Um, Wendell Parr, he's a funny guy, and he said, this is a parism. This is what he calls it because it's not in the scripture this way. But his interpretation of that is Jesus went to hell, and he went to the devil's face, and he snatched the keys from him, and then he took his heel and he mashed him in the ground. He just said, you have no authority because the king of kings is here. <laughs> okay. It says he led captivity captive. That's, those are the souls. He led those Old Testament saints that were captive up out of the grave. He, he, they arose and walked in the streets until he ascended. And he came forth out of the tomb victoriously. So let me go back and make sure you got all the fill-ins. A is man. B is sinless life. D is he threw back demons of hell. G is he led captivity captive. H, he came forth, um, where did I say? He, out of the tomb, right. And H, he, yeah, he came forth out of the tomb. And the last one is he ascended to the Father. And let's look at a couple of these scriptures if we can. Let's look at Hebrews 9, 11, and 14. But Christ came as a high priest of, of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is, I can't see that part on the bottom. Not of this creation, okay? Um, can we go to the next verse? Not with the blood of goats and calves, <clears throat> but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained eternal redemption. Okay. And uh, 13 and 14. For if by the blood of, blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And in Hebrews 10, um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of that. Um, uh, oh, 23 and, uh, 23 and 28. Therefore, it is necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And look at 28. 
For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Um, the scripture says what he is now seated where at the right hand of the father, where he ever lives to make intercession for us. Um, so Christ was offered once to bear the sin of many sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. That is just so good. <laughs> so he sat down at the right hand of the father because of this, we can now do the works that he does or that he did. Um, you can add this scripture to your notes, John seven thirty seven. It says on that day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. We, we, I heard somebody talking about that tonight. You know, just we want to drink. We want more of you, Lord, you know. And we can have as much as we want, you know. There is no restriction. We can have as much as we want. The second thing he did, he gave us the right to use his name. Amen. And that's in um, John uh, 14, 13. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then let's look at Mark 16, um, 15 through 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. That's the greater work, you know? Amen. And he's given us the authority to do that. Um, and now, let's see. He says we're, we're going to be casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. You know, I'm thinking it, that... that uh, Pastor Ina had shared with us, I think it was, yeah, was it last week, you know, about the, the, I don't know if it's a, the news, you know, about water contamination and, you know, but Jesus said, even if we drink any deadly thing, and we have to be wise, I'm not saying don't be wise, do take the precautions that you feel that you need to take, but his promise to us, even if we drink something deadly, he's going to protect us. That's why we need to, you know, pray over our food, you know, because I tell you, you don't know what you're getting anymore. Because I tell you, I, I love some chicken, but chicken don't taste like chicken anymore. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And I don't know, I know they say your taste buds and stuff change every seven or so years, but chicken don't taste like chicken. I don't know what that stuff is anymore, you know. So we need to pray over what we drink and what we eat. <laughs> and then um, I had here B, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter in Matthew 28, but the, this is where the Great Commission comes in. He says that we are to go into all the earth and preach the gospel, you know, telling men and women 
about Jesus. And then the third thing that empowers or enables us to do the work and greater works is the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And again, in our foundational scripture, um, John 16 and 17, it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, um, Wendell Parr gave this great example um, and I can, I can, I could relate to it because I gave my heart to the Lord as a child when I was seven years old. We were, I was in a Baptist church. They had a revival and back then, you know, you had to sit on the mourner's bench, you know, you sit on the first pew in the church and, you know, they had a week of revival and, you know, I wanted Jesus, you know, that's all, that's all I knew. And, um, I remember the pastor at the time, you know, my mother talked to him and she wasn't sure. She said she didn't know if I understood. And he told her to let me come. And later I was baptized in the local um, little pond creek. It was the swimming pool, the fishing hole, the um, water, got water for the animals. But um, that, that Sunday morning it became the baptismal pool. Fast forward, um, I mean, I think I'm nine, ten years old. I'm going to vacation Bible school, and every time they offered um, that, you know, uh, for salvation, I would get saved again because I wasn't sure, you know. (laughs) Fast forward to mid-20s, I go through a really unhappy uh, relationship issue, and I'm, I remember driving my car as fast as I could, screaming at God, you know, like, why did you let this happen to me? And something broke on the inside of me. And I, I you know, I'm, then I'm repenting, God, I'm so sorry, you know. I'm in this situation because I wanted what I wanted, and I wasn't listening. And I made a decision that I was going to recommit my heart to the Lord. And shortly after that, I'm, I'm, I'm really seeking him, being diligent. And I remember saying to him, Lord, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And a friend told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, according to Wendell Parr, Holy Spirit was already there. But I had never learned that. And he gave this really good example. So I'm sharing it with you, so maybe you can share it with somebody else. Remember old TV shows when families had butlers? Okay. So, or servants, you know. And someone would come to their house. A guest would come to their house. The butler would open the door, invite them in, and maybe set them in a parlor. And then they would go tell whoever the head of the household was, you have a guest. But had the person of the house received their guest yet? No. They were in the house. 
but they hadn't received them. They hadn't even seen them. And if the butler didn't tell them, they wouldn't know the person was there. Until that person went to this parlor and said, hey, Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so, I'm so glad you're here. They hadn't received it. Holy Spirit was already there, but I hadn't received him. He, and, and I didn't even know then that the Holy Spirit was the person of the Godhead that hovered over me to let me know that I even needed a savior. I was totally oblivious of Holy Spirit. And even when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't think I knew what I had received. I didn't know. What I did know is that I had an experience and it changed my life and I fell in love with the Holy Spirit. I talked to him all the time. I would go home on my lunch hour so I could pray. <laughs> I, mean, it was, I, got, I mean, I became a fanatic and I wanted everybody I knew to have the Holy Spirit. Something changed, something. He became alive in me and he was there all the time. So I hope that that little story helps you even in explaining to someone else the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he, he bubbled out of me and in me and I could not shut up. You know, it was <laughs> they say, you know, I heard people in my, in my church then would say, you know, a born again person is like a crazy person because they get so excited about what they receive. They can't stop talking about it. And that was me. So sometimes after we receive the, the, the Holy Spirit, we, we, we can be ignorant about this power and this authority and this person of the Godhead who's come in. And see, you know what's so nice about it? The Bible tells us that Jesus, that God, is seated um, at the throne. Jesus is at his right hand, right? So the only person here with us is Holy Spirit, you know? And he hovers over us. Could you sense his presence tonight? Yeah, we've been having a lot of Wednesday nights where he just, all of a sudden, he just moves in. And um, he's powerful. And he brings us the mind and wisdom of God. He just bears witness of who Jesus is to us. I love the Holy, I love Jesus, but I love the Holy Spirit too. Yeah, and I, I just tell you, He's, he's good. <laughs> so your next fill-in is the Holy Spirit enables every believer to do the very same work that Jesus did and greater works. It's not in our ability to work. It's not in our ability to work. It's in the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells the disciples in John, um, Now, why did I write that? I don't remember. I probably had a thought, and I, you know how you, have you ever had a thought, and you think you're going to finish it, and it goes away? Because I have a note here, but I don't know why I wrote it. That's okay. All right, so let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. 
and I'm going to tell you a couple stories, but I'm not going to read all the scriptures. It says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. This is in the upper room, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall receive, but you, excuse me, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's us. You know, that's us. I think one of the words that came out tonight is, you know, it's, we are to go out, we are to minister, and we have that power and authority and ability in us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He wants to move. He wants to make a difference. He wants to convict the world of sin. And there are a couple of examples. I'm not going to um, read all of these, but in Acts chapter 10, we see a story about um, uh, Cornelius and Peter being called to go to, to uh, minister to him. And it's a real interesting story, so you might want to just read that whole chapter in Acts 10. Because, first of all, Cornelius, it says, he's a devout man, you know. Um, but he's not received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so he sends for Peter. He's told to send for Peter. And uh, about the same time, Peter starts having a vision that he's going to minister to this um, Gentile person. And um, he said, no, no way, you know. Um, and then he sees in, a, in his vision um, things to a Jewish man that would be disgusting, like pigs and more pigs, pork. <laughs> you know, it says four-footed animals, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And the voice said to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, uh-uh, no. <laughs> it says, and the voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has, to, has cleansed, you must not call common. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. And so he gets up and he's wondering to himself what this vision was all about. God begins to tell him and that he's obedient. This is while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. So God had already set it up. You know, those men from Cornelius' house were already on his way to get him before he even got the vision. There are people out there waiting for us before we know it. But we'll know it when we see them. Amen. And they said to um, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God 
and has a good reputation among all nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by the holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So he gets to Cornelius' house, and he begins to preach to this man and his family. And in verse 34, it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You know, hallelujah. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea. And being from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then we see in verse 44, when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. You know, we go in that authority and that power. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So here we see they're getting baptized after they receive the Holy Spirit. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to say, stay a few days. And another account we find here is in Acts 19. This is Paul at Ephesus. <clears throat> He approaches this group of people, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You know, to, to many in the body of Christ, they believed. Holy Spirit resides on the inside of them, but they have not known him. They have not received him. You know, I was, I was raised in a Baptist church. I heard Holy Spirit. But I was never, like, really introduced to him, so I didn't receive him. And we're going to meet many who may have heard the name, may even have. I remember, um, we, <laughs> because I was in a, a, a singing group, we would go to churches um, to sing. And I remember when we'd go to the, the Pentecostal churches, the holiness churches, <laughs> I remember laughing at them because sometimes, you know, that it's like the, the Spirit of God would... Um, come in and you'd see these I mean li really like older ladies now that I'm, I'm one of them I mean they would take off and run all the way around the church I mean they could cut corners and they didn't fall or anything and I remember I mean I would laugh I would kind of snicker you know because to me it was funny um, but when I would leave I would think they, they have something that I don't have I didn't know what it was but they had a joy you know and they didn't 
they weren't ashamed, you know, if, you know, if they were moved to, to raise their hand, clap their hands, sing. I remember one time going to church, and this guy was just clinking on the piano, and he said he was believing God to teach him how to play the piano. He couldn't play a tune, but his faith was he was believing God to teach him, you know. So they had something that I didn't have. I knew it was, some, it was more. There was more to God. Did I strike a funny note? <laughs> um, anyway, they, they go to this church in, or to this group of people, and they said, we have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. And Paul says to, to them, into what then were you baptized? So we may have to ask, you know, people, what, what's the background? What's your teaching? You know, how do you understand the word? And we have to know the scripture so we can take it to them and show them. I wish I had known then who Holy Spirit was. It would have saved me a lot of grief. But God brings each of us our own way, you know. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized, baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus it says here, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with other tongues. So just in summary, the three things that we learned about tonight that can help us do the works of Jesus and the greater works are understanding the regenerative work of, of Jesus, knowing that he has given us the authority to use his name, and the Holy Spirit indwelling. Amen. I pray this blessed you. Did I give the last fill-in? 3B. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. To do the work of Jesus, we must receive his redemptive work, the right to use his name, and the Holy Spirit. On, that, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Did you get it? Okay. So I heard, that's what I heard tonight. Lord, you know, we are thirsty. Fill us. We're so thirsty. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he has so much for us. And he wants us to walk in that um, redemptive work of Jesus. He wants us to rely on the name of Jesus. Because it's in his name we can cast out demons. We can heal the sick. You know, um, we, we, we have our protection. You know, our life is hid in him. Amen. All right. I pray this blessed you and blessed me. So thank you so much. Amen. So if...